0: This time of year, I field more pastoral appointments and calls than other times. The holidays can be complicated. Being with family is hard. Not being with family is hard. (laughs) Being far away from home is hard. Having to go back home is hard. The holidays involve coping with loss and change. They bring loneliness. They may require hiding parts of ourselves, being extra polite and tolerant. The holidays can be so complicated. Typically, we have a blue holiday or blue Christmas service where we acknowledge together these difficulties. And in a way... We've been doing this all month, exploring hospitality to death and change and loss. So now we fully acknowledge this is an emotional trying season. Even the most joyful holiday plans contain pain and sorrow. And the most trying moments have a little bit of joy. Back to um, the increased calls and appointments, number of pastoral visits. In case you didn't know, a minister is someone who's trained to listen. I'm not a psychologist. Normally, after two or three meetings, I encourage a person or a couple to seek professional counseling if the issues are complex or ongoing. And our intern, Yadni, not here today and our direct she's a, our director of youth and children's services Susan Spooner and our care team interspersed amongst you all listen really well another thing we do is we keep a list of suggested counselors we know that are high quality most importantly the names on that list don't use christian or overtly religious tools in their work, in their professional practice, which is an issue here in town Um, for those for whom that would be off-putting or um, actually disrupting their religious boundaries. So if you have names to add to our list from your own experiences, uh, we'll gladly check them out. But if you want a referral, just ask. Allow me to digress even further and make a pitch to all who are struggling with feeling stuck or with emotional distress. In my experience, the healthiest people admit to their problems and seek regular help. Coping with mental issues is normal, not extraordinary, normal. Seeking guidance is wise. It doesn't mean you're crazy, but actually closer to sane. Counseling is not some exotic self-indulgent activity, nor is it necessarily a long-term commitment. And many therapists work on a sliding scale, so don't let money keep you away. These are all imagined excuses you create to enable you to avoid getting help. For heaven's sakes, If you're willing to take your car to a mechanic, see a lawyer for a legal problem, buy clothes for your body, why on earth would you not set aside time and resources to untangle relationships and your actions? You never have to take the advice, but, 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 you might hear some insights and responses that transform your life. As a minister... Just so you know, I'm committed to remaining under guidance of a counselor so I can deal with my own blind spots, my own weaknesses and foibles. It's the least I can do to be accountable and present to you. I can't preach about death and not look at the deaths I've had to deal with. So if this encouragement for self-care is all you hear this morning... I have succeeded. Lecture over. So back to giving generous time to HOPE members who ask for time to be heard, as do other staff in the care team. Infrequently, I will see someone who's not really part of this community. Doesn't happen often. But this week, I had a visitor make an appointment to see me in my office. Always. Always, these meetings are totally confidential, but this one was unusual. And I have permission to share some of it with you. Really, much of it is already public knowledge. Yahweh strolled into my office, totally stressed out. Not a pretty sight. Why this ancient Hebrew God would pick this heavily humanist church and minister is shocking. My constant urge to shout, Oh my God! (laughs) was difficult to contain. Part of pastoral care training is not expressing shock. You did what? (laughs) The aim is to make a safe space for all stories and all thoughts. I let Yahweh pick out a chair, and we began. And for the record, Yahweh started out with praise for our efforts and worldwide attempts to be gender inclusive. We discussed how English isn't suited for gendered fluidity and expressing its spectrum. With the Bible in mind, the earliest stories recorded in Hebrew from Genesis actually referred to Yahweh with both male and female pronouns, singular as well as plural. Yahweh smartly remarks, of course, I cannot help but be a cosmic force, using a single confining gender pronoun to refer to me as ignorant and vain. Okay. Since we spoke in English... Yahweh steered me to using third person plural pronouns that are now common in many circles to describe the full gender expression of someone. So, Yahweh, I'll refer to as they, explains how the Hindus, with their hundreds of gods, as well as Walt Whitman's phrase from Song of Myself, I am large, I contain multitudes, those are the closest descriptions of not only Yahweh, but humanity and all of creation. So I'll honor their request, they, them, theirs, themselves. With the holidays coming up, it seems the events of this past fall are troubling to them, to Yahweh, specifically the worldwide destruction from hurricanes and floods and fires. These events are bringing up flashbacks from the days when they were younger. Today's news provides hooks for some religious people with outlandish agendas who blame God for creating this havoc on purpose as punishment of sins. They corrects. I am no I no longer work this way and haven't for thousands of years Yahweh wails We're getting to the heart of the problem Yahweh has regrets They admit descriptions of them in Genesis are accurate volatile emotionally volatile afraid the creation experiment has gone wrong and wanting to erase the mistakes with a flood. Perfectionism, shame, fear, revenge, all drive this younger Yahweh to destroy mankind, humankind. Since their 40 days and 40 nights violent outburst, no one believes their promise to never interfere in humanity's free will again. While the rainbow symbol is used everywhere, many don't trust Yahweh as hands off and not controlling the world. I nod my head. I agree it's deeply painful to be misunderstood. A regret point to where we a regret points to where we likely need to repair relationships. It's tough work, even for Yahweh. I listen and try not to interrupt, letting them speak their mind and heart. I'm sympathetic. I see Yahweh has a harder, much harder job than we do. They have to face eternity with regret. While we have our limited lifetimes, on the whole... We're not a religious tradition that speculates often or builds theological systems upon the notion of multiple lifetimes. Hence, we have a greater urgency to heed our regrets and work carefully with them. So I pulled out John Izzo's book, The Five Secrets You Must Discover Before You Die for Yahweh, and read a bit from this chapter, Leave No Regrets, regret is possibly the one thing we all fear the most. That we might look back on our lives and wish we had done things differently. In my experience from the last 30 years validated in these interviews, death is not what we fear most. When we live life fully and done what we hope to do, we can accept death with grace. What we fear most is not having lived to the fullest extent possible, to come to the end of our life with the final words being, I wish I had. End quote. Regrets serve a purpose. They provide essential information about our past, who we once were. They can spin us around to who we are today and wish to become. Ignoring regret is a perilous, a disregard of vital, useful information. Dealing with regrets requires skill and self-awareness. So today let's talk about regrets in two ways. One kind of regret involves taking a risk or making a choice early in your life that didn't pan out as you would wished. You regret you took that fork in the road and the direction it took you. And the information in this kind of regret can keep us safe when we learn from it, but it also can make us a bit rigid and fearful, reluctant to try out new things or take new risks. For example, Yahweh embarked on a grand experiment, a magnificent creation of the cosmos. They structured mass out of chaos, made light, dark, day, water, plants, land, creatures than humans, ambitious, complex. Perhaps the naive, creative genius of a youngster. Yahweh didn't regret the whole life-giving system. Just that last piece didn't seem to be working out so well. I gave Yahweh the same pep talk I give myself and others. We cannot control the future and can only work out of the present moment with all its limited view. We make the best choices and decisions we can, imagining what the decisions will bring. But then we let go of the outcome. For example, imagine I've done research, pick out a new car, buy it, and it ends up being a lemon. Or I date someone, think this is the love of my life, marry them, and realize this is a dreadful mistake. I have children and repeat some of the same awful family behaviors in rearing them. I reach out to an estranged friend or family member and get stung again. And I'm reminded why I gave that person distance. It's going to happen. But what I do is I forgive myself for each choice and outcome. I have to let go of the regret. Ask, and if I can't, if I can't let go of that regret, For some choice I made, I have to ask myself, what am I attached to? A Buddhist-inspired question. It is one that always helps decrease suffering and make the regret disappear. In the case of regretting the bad car, am I attached to making decisions that aren't costly, Do I imagine I can always spend the least amount of time or money? Am I attached to some kind of economic perfection? In the case of the failed marriage or relationship, am I attached to love being forever? To never experiencing emotional pain? To not having to work at a relationship? Am I attached to the story that I'm unlovable? In Yahweh's case, did they really imagine starting a universe with infinite parts all working together wouldn't produce both beauty and repulsiveness, magnificence and destruction? I asked Yahweh, Yahweh, if they're attached to adoration and fame? Is their regret an attachment to not getting it right? So this regret from past judgments can come cascading at us as we try to fashion upcoming holiday gatherings and events. We may try to arrange the perfect meal, the ideal gift, sensational conversations, Continuously happy gathering. Let's all forgive ourselves in advance right now for not doing the holidays perfectly, whatever that may be. Yahweh, I know you're in here too. You can join us. Forgive yourself. The second kind of regret involves choices we make that violate our values. This regret carries heavier layers of shame and fear and distrust, pain, depression, avoidance, and even thoughts of suicide or lesser forms of escape. Yahweh's choice to wipe out an entire population, save some chosen few, violates all of the values of creation. It crosses a clear ethical line into destroying. It is the original ethnic cleansing. We still haven't learned we can't wipe out an enemy with violence and have good come of it. I can't, I can't bear the accounts of today's Myanmar army actions with Buddhist support of the unimaginable brutality against the Muslim Rohingya people. We here in the United States still imagine we can incarcerate enough people to create some pure population or build a wall against differences to isolate ourselves. These are violations of essential morals cherishing life in its diversity and liberty. So Yahweh acts in their regret to Noah and family with an apology of words and action. They promise never destroy humankind again. Yahweh says the Hebrew scriptures captured pretty well his commitment to covenant with Noah and the future world when the scribes wrote down, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on earth. Covenant is a word we Unitarians and Universalists value and understand. It underpins the longevity of our church community. We are a covenant-making, covenant-breaking, covenant-remaking people. Self-covenant is how we work with our personal regrets. We promise not to break our morals and ethics again. Covenant is the right word because we humbly accept we still may make similar mistakes again. The difference is each time we forgive ourselves and vow to improve. Because after all of Yahweh's dramatic ethnic cleansing then promise, after the waters subside, after Noah celebrates planting crops, vineyards especially. He falls into the trap of addiction and drunkenness. I imagine Noah's actions as post-traumatic stress. Really, a response to all he and his family have been through, survivor, survival guilt, or survivor's guilt. As new children are born, the world is repopulated with imperfect human beings, leading right up to each one of us. Not all regrets where we cross our ethical boundaries are so large or histrionic. Let's move on to regrets on a smaller scale. Hopefully our regrets where we cross lines of personal ethics aren't of that magnitude. But they're still painful and uncomfortable and useful. They still may involve death of another, but more likely, emotional harm to others. They affect our ability to feel at peace with ourselves or enjoy the holidays. These ethical regrets are what John Izzo and every wise teacher encourages us to face now in our lifetime, in our limited lifetime, the sooner the better, not waiting to be on our deathbeds to deal with our regrets. So it's the nature of holidays to provide opportunities to re-examine our moral regrets. Check in with yourself to see if any of your regrets are of this variety. Do they point you to values you're ignoring? For example, if you believe in connection and the interdependent web of life, have you continued to cut off an estranged friend or family member? A holiday meal... Is probably not the best place for dramatic reconciliations. It could be the spark of insight, though, that just leads to slightly different behavior, interactions, maybe making that call, sending an email. And like regrets of mistakes, the antidote to an ethical regret begins with self forgiveness. Because it involves looking for attachments that interfere with our keeping our moral values? Do we gossip about others to elevate our own self-esteem? Do we need to puff up our egos in this way because we can't face uncomfortable feelings of unworthiness? Do we cut off a person or family member from the holidays because it's just easier? Or on the flip side, do we accept hate and hurtful behavior because it's easier? We need to be loved. Do we lose our tempers at the children and the chaos because we're attached to some ideal of family, of parenting, of children? Is underneath that some fear we're hanging on to? Regret is a powerful teacher. If there is a way to amend, restore, or heal some rift, this is the time to do it. We are not Yahweh. We and those around us have limited time on this earth. Leave no regrets. May you open yourself to regrets, lessons, So your past no longer dictates your present. And may your Thanksgiving holidays be all you wish them to be, free of regrets. May it be so.